0: Welcome to How to Live podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to the How to Live podcast, Uncut. The reference to How to Live is certainly not about a long list of a series of rules. And if you follow these specific rules, you're going to wind up with this specific result. The How to Live podcast is a reference to us recognizing and living how we're created. It's based upon the belief that if we see who we're made to be, we can move into doing what we're made to do. And so it's based in the reality that everything that carries the impulse of life within it, everything that has a DNA code is coded to seek the same thing, fulfillment. Human beings, however, are coded with the same craving as all life, which is to live fully, but we're coded to find that fulfillment in a certain way, meaning that the nutrition that grows the human being is relationship, relationship with oneself Now, my heart connected to my head, able to express myself to others' hearts, social connection or relational intimacy, relationship connection with self, others, and, and God. And through that, in a healthy way, through relationship, we wind up becoming people who have empathy in terms of recognizing that we're all made out of the same dirt, who have compassion, because of empathy, they can look at another person and identify the possibility of pain. And because they've been in pain themselves, they will look at that pain and wish that something could be done about it through self-identification. These people are also people that see problems in life and have creative um, urge within them, the creative dimmer urge to do something about problems, whether it's finding a way to build a bridge to span a chasm or finding a way to take um, a a vaccine to a people group that can't get it or a way to find, to to bring food or a way to express music that arouses people to uh, empathy and compassion. So it's called creativity. And then finally you are created gifted and there's a world in need of your gifts. So called service to others. So the ultimate fulfillment is being a person who identifies himself as one among us being able to look at others who have pain, us recognize it, and they want wishing to do something about it, not for sentimental reasons, but for personal reasons. And then creativity. We continue to solve problems and uh, move uh, destruction into construction and then service to others that we actually do unto others as we would, would wish they would do unto us. So This uh, second of the Keeping Heart podcast of the four that I'm going to do is rooted in this recognition that we are living in a world of great division and conflict, not unique to our time only. It's the way it's always been. But we have ways of communicating to each other uh, that we have never had more quickly. And I think there is a sort of a, a, a birth pang recognition that those of us who are awake need to be about communicating to others what we can do as uh, people who are awake to what's happening, that we can be empathic, compassionate, creative, and, ser- and of service in a time like this. So in a world of division and conflict, keeping heart is the thing that can keep us together, whether it's through encouragement, relationship, Reminders, remembering, replenishment, redemption, restoration, recreation, even forms of resurrection, resurrecting hope for out of hopelessness, uh, bringing light into darkness, taking creation, creativity, construction into destruction, and us continuing to keep heart in the face of even death. So because we do that, because what binds us together must be greater than what takes us apart. And to to do that, we have to keep heart because reason is not enough to um, allow us to step into um, great service to others and great care for others, because that is a matter of the heart, not a matter of logic. So I want to continue on with um, the, the Keeping Heart book. And this section uh, we're going to talk about what children want, having to face powerlessness, uh, what it's like to the, the place of willpower in our lives, what courage is and how to stay in courage, and then also what to do with courage in terms of how to live in a response able way, taking the word responsible that that um, we recognize as what, what appears to be do your duty and take care of your business to really see it in its wider version as much more profound than just taking out the garbage. And then finally, we'll end with uh, developing integrity as an outgrowth of being responsible. So let's start with uh, what children want. What children want, children really have only a few essential questions of caregivers. Will you grow up with me? Will you help me become grown up? Will you live in the struggle of remaining present with me? Children need to be able to take the affirmative answers to these questions for granted, and only later in life find great gratitude in them being answered well. Children do not demand perfection, even though they cry when imperfection is discovered, as would be normal to any person who's lost something that they were made to have. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, states that human beings were born with eternity in their hearts, and yet we don't know the end from the beginning. But when perfection, that which we're we're created to uh, experience, doesn't occur, the normal process is loss, and the normal process of loss is grief, and grief is a response to the world not being like we, on some level, believe it was made to be. Children do not demand perfection, even though they cry when imperfection is discovered. They do attempt to demand, however, the persistent presence of the caregiver, which speaks the we need each other relationship makeup. The presence that a child craves and the presence that we human beings crave as we grow up, importantly, is called a presence of heart, not a presence of perfection. A child is born expressing heart as we've talked about in other podcasts. And children want the caregiver to keep heart and help them do the same in a world that can pull us away from who we are created to be. Children want to know that you know what hurt is, you know what sadness is, because obviously you've succeeded because you're big and they're little, or you're older and have accomplished and they haven't reached the mark of being free to go do those things. So they want to know what it's like to be hurt and still be resilient and keep on and persistence. What it's like to be sad and to lose and hope be dashed and continue to persevere. What they're asking for is how does this emotional vulnerability that I carry within me, this emotional sensitivity, this being able to picture and imagine what life could be like and the willingness to risk going and doing that. What is it that allows you to keep going when things are very difficult I want to go do those things but I need to know that there is a way to go do them. So they're asking questions, how do I do hurt? How do I do sad? How do I do lonely? How do I do fear? And if you have lost contact with yourself, when if you've lost contact with empathy, the recognition of your humanness and your human experience, then you're not going to be able to answer the questions that the child has. If you've lost contact with uh, compassion, because you've lost contact with the identification of your own pain, then when the child asks a question and they're seeking compassion, you will not be able to deliver the passion to continue to press on in the midst of pain that would suggest that you uh, withhold or back up or quit. And if you're not able to keep heart in the midst of living uh, the struggles of life, then when your child comes to you for how do I go about uh, living in the midst of pain while still continue to wish to love, you will not be able to offer them creative solutions of your own experience that allowed you to keep heart in the midst of tragedy. You will not be able to offer them creativity or construction amidst their own personal destruction or loss. And then finally, if you don't keep heart when the child comes uh, to ask you to do unto uh, to do unto them as you would have done unto you, you will not be able to step into the breach and keep heart in the midst of that. They're not looking. Children are not looking for like a, like the uh, keeping heart talks about. They're not looking for perfection. They're looking for you in all of the struggles and difficulties, even failures that you will need to let them know. Children aren't looking for heroes. They're looking for people who have the courage to live bravely amidst tragedy. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. And then the next section I want to talk about is the territory of powerlessness. We we are powerless over being created to operate in a certain way. Just like trees are powerless over needing to seek water, humans find their, quote, water, unquote, in relationship with oneself, others, and God. Powerlessness is not negative or an insult. However, many of us have a tremendously difficult time facing and and living into the powerlessness of how we are created. The vulnerability it takes to live relationally is terrifying for many of us because we have been deeply wounded in past relationships. The struggle with powerlessness for humans, therefore, is that we have experienced great pains that make us wish not to be powerless over needing To reach from our hearts to the water of relationship. This pain, this vulnerability often impels us to willfully go against our relational pre-design as a form of protection. But the protection eventually isolates our hearts from relationship. If we hide what we need, if we hide what we feel, we're removed from the power of being able to connect. So admitting powerlessness over how we're created gives us power to connect. Paradoxical result. Attempting, attempting to gain control over our powerlessness, the powerlessness of how we created, often involves the use of willpower to stymie, neglect, or deny the emotional and spiritual makeup of our hearts. In the end, all of our attempts to live without reaching for relationship out of the heart prove fruitless. Just like trees are powerless over needing to seek water humans find their water in relationship with others in God. Human powerlessness is a paradoxical opportunity, as mentioned earlier, or it's an invitation to live how we've been created as emotional and spiritual creatures destined for relationship. It takes tremendous courage to live into our powerlessness. We never get over being powerless as human beings, that is, needy, desirous, hopeful, harmful even, helpful, imaginative, relational, and created creatures. In acknowledging these truths, we can surrender daily to this reality as a way to live how we are created day in and day out. Daily surrender to and acceptance of our powerlessness sets us free to live in relationship with the truthful vulnerability of our hearts. Every one of us is capable, beginning every day, starting with the admission of how we're created, acknowledging that we are—we admit that we are powerless over how we're created, and we're also powerless over life that we're created to live fully in. So automatically, that puts us in a position of feeling and need. And through that acknowledgement of powerlessness, we have the capacity to use our voices to express our hearts, connect with others, and find that we together are more than we will ever be apart. But those people who attempt to run from, deny, or reject their state of creation, try to have power over how they're created, which is just like a tree not reaching for water, or the tree suddenly have some form of consciousness that denies uh, drinking water as a way to have power over what it's made to do, which will result in what is obvious. The tree will shrivel. The tree will not produce fruit. The tree will uh, uh, dry up and die. So this admission of powerlessness quite apart from being a weakness is the daily beginning of our strength. Then the second thing that we're, we're capable of doing is we can come to believe that there is a power greater than this ourselves that is in charge of running and has created the process of living fully. We can render over, which is what surrender means, we can give back to that God who is doing for us what we're incapable of doing for ourselves. So admitting powerlessness is admitting that we're human. Acknowledging surrender is reaching towards that which can do for us, which we cannot do for ourselves. Surrender means to give back or render over, Uh, on some level uh, suggesting that return what you've taken And let me do with it what it's made to be done. In other words, see who you're made to be so you can do what you're made to do. So many of us, once we become uh, despisers or contemptuous towards how we're created, we'll attempt to have power over that, which means we silence our hearts. Our problem begins to be that we, instead of crying out, our expertise becomes being able to hide out. Our strength is in dissociation, denial, rationalization, justification, all the things that make us remove ourselves from our human experience. Surrender means to to acknowledge the hideout and go ahead and do the cryout, give back to God and even turn over to others what you've been running away, carrying around, trying to do by yourself so so that God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So then the third movement we can do even every morning in acknowledging this powerlessness is that, that we, we can decide to turn our lives and our wills over the care of God and allow God to do, allow, quote unquote, God to do with us that which we've come to trust is going to be good, even when it's painful. So with those three movements, admission of powerlessness, we acknowledge that we are capable of using our voices, which is power. We can give ourselves over to that which has control of life and and then uh, end up connecting in life like we're made to. And then we can then uh, uh, turn our lives and will over to the one who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So simply put, in Alcoholics Anonymous, the first three steps say, I can't, uh, God can, And the third step is, I think I'll let him. So powerlessness, quite apart from being a a form of helplessness, is actually the form of stepping into the empowerment of being fully connected again. So next, I want to talk about willpower in terms of how it can actually take over our lives instead of of being an appropriate tool, secondary uh, to the heart or a tool for the service of the heart instead of having power over the heart. We are born powerless over how we are created to feel, need, desire, long, and hope. All of these characteristics of the heart move us toward relational living. Having described the importance of powerlessness in keeping heart, it is also necessary to articulate the proper place of willpower in a life of heart. Simply put, we are created to grow into people who use willpower to live fully, to love deeply, and to lead well, all matters of the heart. The will is meant to be submitted to our feelings, needs, desire, longings, hope, imaginings, dreams, and so on. Willpower is intended to serve the heart, not dominate it, as is often the case. Proper use of willpower is developed through caregivers who help us fortify the will to keep heart. The will to keep heart is sustained not by emphasizing willpower, but by caregivers affirming and confirming the makeup of the heart. Doing so allows the will to be used to express the heart, to not give up on heart, to not run from vulnerability, rather than developing the use of willpower to hide the heart. So often, we tragically learn to use willpower to refuse the voice of our hearts. The will of the human being is made to serve the heart, not to supersede it. So, to to for willpower to have its proper place requires that courage supersede willpower, but willpower be a tool of courage. And courage really is one of the words that is a uh, uh, synonymous with uh, keeping heart. Having courage and keeping heart are virtually synonymous. The Latin word core means heart and is the root word for the English word courage. C-O-R, core, means the center of one's person, the essential makeup or heart of a person. We are born with a core out of which we have courage, which means full-hearted participation and the complete offering of ourselves to life and living, the capacity to be all in. We are born offering our feelings, needs, longings, desire, and hope to caregivers, which is an expression of courage, being all in. We cannot do otherwise at birth. We don't have the faculties to stop it or even attempt to stop it. So the will from the very beginning is a a secondary to service of the heart from the very beginning. When we are young, we cannot defend ourselves from reaching for connection, nor can we stop showing our neediness or expressing our dependence. We don't develop this kind of of courage. It's born into us. We do, however, have to fight to keep it. That's where the will comes into play. We need to be encouraged by connection with trusted others to help us do so, so that we have our courage reinvigorated to continually offer our feelings, needs, longings, desire, and hope to God's process. We come out of the womb as courageous, emotional, and spiritual creatures created to do one thing, live fully. And we cannot live fully, though, unless we do so with others and remain connected to God, both of whom nurture the courage to keep heart in a tragic place. Responsibility is what grows out of this courage. Responsibility is where we get the word that we think of as uh, doing your duty, responsibility. Responsibility is actually born in the capacity to have feelings, express needs, apply desire, accept longings, and keep hope. We're able to use our responses to how we're created. We're able to use our responses to ourselves, others, and God to be known. Being known allows us to connect, attach, and live as we are created to live. The response from within and the ability to communicate our internal experiences is the true normal at birth, the true normal of how we grow, and the true normal of how the grown-up keeps going forward. To summarize responsibility, we're born responsive. We are born with a courage that we don't even recognize on a cognitive level that we have. We're not made to lose it. We're made to keep it which requires development. That development occurs through us remaining response-able. We have to be encouraged, supported, affirmed, and confirmed to be able to remain response-able. And then as we continue to seek life's fulfillment, willpower becomes a secondary tool that we use to keep going in the face of difficulty. But even as we keep going in the face of difficulty, we're going to be in need of others in God to encourage the next step. And so the courage uh, allows us to keep heart. We, We are created to be response able towards the heart. And instead of hiding out, which willpower will make us do to avoid vulnerability, our courage needs to be in the power of expressing our cry out. That we're able to be sensitive to the feelings, the needs, the desire, the longings, and the hopes that we have, connect them to others in God, grow in wisdom and faith and intimacy and passion and forgiveness seeking and acceptance to be able to, to grow and stay strong as we continue to push towards those things we dream. So, quite the, os- the opposite of um, res- responsibility. Being dutiful is something that we sort of like give up our childhood to achieve. It's actually through keeping the childhood and growing out of how we're essentially created as a grown up. We truly become uh, people who are responsible because we are response able. So with that said, um, I want to remind us that we are together more than we are apart that even the simplest expression of how we gain strength through connection and how we're created to to live in relationship to find fulfillment and to stay focused on the life we're created to have is just a simple experience of of encouragement. Courage is a a limited supply uh, resource that once it's poured out, it needs to be filled back up. The heart is a bucket. It holds a certain amount. That's how come we we have to replenish daily, restore daily. We we eat daily to, to, for strength, just like we need to be reconnected daily for strength. So courage means full hearted participation. But we're going to experience wounds and difficulties in life. When you're wounded, you tend to coil up and to be drained out. To be uh, to have questions of doubt and difficulty, plus not able to do what you were doing before you developed the limb. And in that discouragement, which which means that we're, we're wondering if it's worth the trouble, a word can be spoken, a hand can be reached out, a form of belief or confidence or affirmation can be handed to us, and it will literally raise the level of the heart's capacity. It will encourage it, it inserts courage into us, it, and that happens to relationship. So I, it, that just is a proof point that the better we are at expressing our neediness, the more we receive to carry on with greater strength than we had before. So I'll end with keep heart. It's worth it. It uh, creates uh, longevity, perseverance, and persistence. So Anyway, thank you. Uh, Good to talk to you today. Look forward to the third podcast on keeping heart. And uh, thank you for listening. Bye.